franchising is the most misunderstood and most overlooked form of entrepreneurship. We're here to educate you and help you find the entrepreneur within. Franchising is not all about the French fries. We find that individuals who are exploring business ownership tend to have a lot of misperceptions and misunderstandings about the franchise industry. So what we want to do is help prospective business owners make confident and educated decisions before moving forward or not moving forward with a business. Welcome to Unpredicted Entrepreneur. Hi, welcome to episode 49 of Unpredicted Entrepreneur. I'm Roxanne Rapsky, and I'm joined today by my colleague, Sarah Wasco. We created this podcast to bring you information and education on business ownership and all things franchising. So today's a little different. I'm on Zoom, and um, Sarah and our guest, Sam Johnson, are in studio. Uh, we're very thankful for technology, so I could join you from not so sunny California today, but um, we are very, very excited about today's episode because throughout the course of our business, Sarah and I get asked a lot about partnerships, a lot. And we kind of joke and say, well, I stole this from Sarah and I've now made it mine. But um, we joke and say that uh, there's two kinds of ships you don't want to be on, a sinking ship and a partnership. So if you are going to do a partnership, we want to make sure that you do it the right way and that you're informed about it. So our guest is Sam Johnson. He's a business attorney and he's a managing, a, he's a managing partner at his firm. Sam, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Oh, when I say there's two ships you don't want to be on, a thinking ship and a partnership, what's your reaction to that? Uh, I think it's brilliant and very clever. Uh, but, you know, as long as people are thoughtful and deliberate about how they get onto that partnership, then it can it can end up getting you where you want to go, I guess. I think deliberate is a key word for this. You know, I think people, when they think about partnerships, um, they've got one thing in their head, right? And then it's really kind of something else. So I know you um, made the comment, Sam, that when people come in or they meet with you, it's all kind of like flowers and rainbows and sunshine. So why don't you take us kind of down that path? Yeah, yeah. No, I love these meetings, right? They're great. Everyone's really excited. They've got a great idea, service or a product. And they're really, you know, everything is looking positive and it should be and it and you want obviously you want to go into any business endeavor with good feelings going into it but uh, there are a lot of uh, hurdles that you need to think about a lot of things that people maybe haven't thought through because they didn't know to or talked about and so it's important to sit down with the professionals which is a number of different people who can advise you as you're getting started and really make sure you've thought through all the different things that you need to make sure that you're going to have a good partnership going forward. And real quick, just so we can be clear, we're going to use the term today partnership agreement, and that could have a very particular legal meaning. But for, for our purposes today, that could mean whatever that document is that describes the agreement between the owners. So in the context of a real partnership, that would be a partnership agreement. If you have an LLC with someone, we would call that a company agreement. Or if you own a corporation, 
that would be the bylaws or a shareholders agreement. And so those documents all have very distinct legal consequences. But for today, we're just kind of, we're going to lump all of those together under just that term partnership agreement. That's great. Thank you for clarifying that because mm-hmm. I use the term partnership agreement loosely. And so I did not understand those differences. So that's super helpful. You know, you mentioned people come in and they're all excited and they have these plans. And I've heard from many people things like, oh, this is my best friend that I've had my whole life. And we always see eye to eye on things, or this is my cousin and and we do everything together. But unfortunately, when a business is um, under consideration, things really could be different and you could think differently, even though going in, you think you think the same way. Once things maybe get difficult or you hit hurdles or roadblocks or things change in someone's life and the unexpected happens, I've heard really unfortunate stories about things going the wrong direction. So can you help us understand your process and kind of, I always tell clients, attorneys think of all of the what ifs. Like we don't think a lot of these things could ever happen, but unfortunately sometimes they do. So can you help kind of walk us through how you help your clients plan for Mm -hmm. their business partnership? Absolutely. Yeah. When When we're first sitting down, I usually don't even want to get into the legal stuff. First, I want to know things like what is the relationship between these two or three or however many individuals that want to start a business together? Are they best friends? Are they related? Did they meet at church? All of those different things can help me figure out where those hurdles may pop up later. Uh, But I also want to know about the business that they're planning to start. And for me, that's kind of where I get my first indicators of how much detail they've gone into in their planning already, or perhaps how much detail they have not yet gone into. Um, So that's the first thing that we do is I just, I want to hear them tell me about what's coming up for them from their perspective. And then for me, that usually opens a few doors that we need to go through one at a time. So the first one of those is if there's a really, really close relationship Have they thought about how they're going to handle conflict in the future? If they disagree on a minor decision or a major decision, or have they really thought through how they're going to divide the labor that's going to be required to get the business up and running and and where they want it to be? Um, Along those lines, that conversation usually helps me learn a little bit more about if they are both going to be all in on this business or for one person is this, you know, a side project in addition to their full-time job. And for the other person, this is everything that they're going to be doing. Um, And all of those things matter because really when we're preparing the partnership agreement, the real value comes in trying to figure out what are going to be the pain points as this business either succeeds and grows or as they figure out it may not succeed quite the way they were hoping it would. And so ideally, the conversation that we have and the conversations that they're going to have after they leave our office are going to help make sure that they've anticipated and planned for as much as possible uh, up front before it 
everyone's under stress or rolling in money and doesn't know what to do with it, whatever the outcome may be, we want to make sure that they've planned for that in advance. And yes, we do. I, I tell clients, I, I live in a universe where every conceivable outcome occurs to the extent I'm able to imagine all of those outcomes. And so we really just try to explore and, and see where that takes us to try to anticipate uh, what they need to do to plan. Well, and, and let's talk about some of the misperceptions because I think some of the misperceptions are um, we're going to do equal amount of work. And then one person ends up feeling like they're doing most of the work and the other one's not. Or the other thing that I get asked about frequently um, is I have somebody that's really interested in starting a business, but they have no money. And then they, they're asking me if I know somebody that has money, but doesn't have time because they want to run the business, but they want someone else to invest. And I always say that there's no such thing as a silent partner. You know, if you're investing money, you're never silent, right? So, um, and of course, I don't do that. We're not in the business of finding investors for people. So that's the other thing. We'll put that out there on the podcast. So another but, little saying that we have is uh, the golden rule. The one with the gold makes the rules. <laughs> so that silent investor, silent, mm -hmm. contributing those funds, as Roxanne says, isn't silent and generally can step in and make decisions, even though the person running the business doesn't expect that. So that's right. Yeah. Tell us more. Yeah. And that's, that's what needs to be figured out in advance, because usually what you have is uh, if you have one person who's really the one living in the business their business decisions and outcomes can feel very personal to them. And the money person is usually the one looking at everything strictly from a business perspective. Is this either profitable or leading to profitability? But uh, when you have a partnership and one person is, is buying in for equity, you know, for ownership of the, of the enterprise, they're going to have voting rights. They're going to have maybe management rights. And when I say management, I mean that over the entity, not necessarily the day-to-day -day operations. Uh, but they want to have input because from their view, they have put in a significant sum of money and they want to make sure not only are they going to get that back eventually, but that they're going to get a return on that investment as well. And so the person who's put the money in even if they have no plans to be hands-on in the business, they're going to be hands-on in the books, right? They're going to want financial statements. They're going to want access to the bank account. And they want to know where money's going, where it's coming from as well. And they want to have input if they think that, that the company is missing out on growth opportunities or even if, if they're just missing out on a, a partnership distribution. Um, oftentimes, too, the people that have that cash to put into the business, they've got experience doing this. And so if you have someone running the business who's kind of new to it and another person with a lot of experience who's putting in cash, they may feel like, well, I've done this before. I've invested in other companies. And so they may also come into the relationship with a certain set of expectations. And so again, that's why it's so important to have these conversations very, very early on before the relationship is even really legally established. Yeah, I think that's so smart. And I, I think that a lot of times 
people going into business together think they've had those conversations, but it kind of goes back to what I was saying about getting legal advice from somebody who lives in that world Mm -hmm. who has seen some of these things happen right? and seen the outcomes of not being deliberate. I love that word and planning. And so that person can, that attorney like yourself can give that advice and help hopefully um, avoid some of these tragic outcomes. Right. Yeah. It's again, uh, we've seen, you know, my office, uh, most business lawyers you talk to have not only had numerous meetings to plan and set you up for success, but we've also had lots of encounters on the other side of that relationship. Mm -hmm. And there's kind of two circumstances usually, right? There's the business is growing and making a lot of money. And whenever money's involved, people might change their tune on things or have a different perspective as to what their rights are after they've worked so hard or fronted the money, depending on, you know, which side of of the table they're sitting on. Uh, Or if something happens and it's time for someone to exit the business, and that may be a voluntary exit and it may be an involuntary exit, like a divorce or a death or something like that. And so that can be a, a good thing to have arranged up front again, uh, so that you're not scrambling with unexpected circumstances down the road. Well, and on that note, let's talk about spouses a little bit more because, you know, one of some of those unexpected things. So not only do you have these two or three or four people coming together and saying, Hey, we're wanting to start a business together. They may be married and, Let's talk a little bit about what happens there because there's sometimes, you know, the spouse doesn't want anything to do with the business or there's somebody in the business that never wants to be in business with that spouse should something happen to one of the partners. So I think, once again, these are things that people don't think about up front. So can you expand on that a little bit more? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Usually, like you said, right, you're getting into business with a particular person. And when we're talking about a new business, especially each person is bringing something unique to that relationship, right? One person may have an educational background that they're bringing to the table. Another person may have cash that they're bringing in. Another one may have operational experience. And so usually with with small businesses and startups, you've got a, a very particularly put together team for specific reasons. And so if something should happen to one of those individuals, Everyone needs to think not just about how are we going to replace that skill set or those resources that we were counting on from this person, but also what's going to happen with their ownership interests. You know, if someone passes away, um, usually we have a few things we build into the the partnership agreement, right? We'll have um, language saying that the spouse essentially agrees to be bought out or that the person's estate agrees to be bought out at a predetermined value or through a predetermined valuation formula. We may have what's called key person insurance, where the company has a life insurance policy on each of the principals to pay the cost of that buyout because they may not have enough cash to cover that, for example. So those are those are just a couple of things. Now, one thing that a lot of people don't realize is usually you need your spouse to sign off on that. So 
when you have something in your partnership agreement that is going to affect a current spouse's future rights, potentially, uh, they, they sign what we call like a spousal joinder to the agreement that says, I'm not agreeing to do all this other stuff, but what does affect me is uh, something that I, I understand and I'm consenting to. And that way they're bound by it later on in the future. I mean, that's so perfect because if somebody passes away, that spouse may want that person's part in the company, but they want may want nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult. And I think you shared with us a story about things not being laid out and what happens when that happens. So tell us, share that with, with our listeners. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've had this twice recently. Uh, both of them were uh, LLCs owned by two individuals. And the first one, the, the two individuals were brothers. And so one person, I'll call them person A, was the one that was uh, qualified by education to do all the work and for the company to be able to have the licensing that it needed. And the brother who really did all the back end work with IT and accounting and all that passed away unexpectedly. Well, they were just brothers, so they didn't have a need for a written agreement, obviously. And the danger of that is when you don't have your partnership agreement written for you, it defaults to the statutes, to the Texas Business Organizations Code if we're in Texas. And so that means that you've authorized the legislature to write your partnership agreement for you, which is not usually something most people want. And in that particular instance, the, uh, the decedent, the gentleman who passed away, his wife wanted to have control over the company and wanted to be very involved, but she did not have the skill sets or the training or education to fill the void left over when, when the brother passed away. And we ended up in litigation over that uh, because she was um, asserting very different rights than what she actually had by statute. And so instead of things being as smooth as they can be under those circumstances, which they're not easy circumstances, uh, things were very rocky. And more importantly, they were very, very expensive. To, to litigate is very costly. It's much less expensive to get yourself a good agreement up front than it is to figure it out later when those things have happened to you. So true. I mean, it's we share with our clients in our guidance to hire an attorney. It's paying now or pay later. And to your point, it's much more expensive to get it figured out later. Plus, there's a lot of emotion and um, other things involved that play into that. Right. Yeah. So, can well, I think another important point, Sam, you brought this up is that just like any business plan, these agreements aren't set in stone on day one, right? You, you, as the business evolves, these agreements can evolve. So, as long as everyone's in agreement, it can kind of be a moving target at different stages of the business. So, what somebody sits down with you and does today doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the exact same five or 10 years from now. Right, exactly. And hopefully you have a need to do that, right? Hopefully your business has grown or pivoted toward growth and your your partnership agreement is something just like your business plan that should change over time as your business 
changes, you know, just at the end of the day, a partnership is a contract between the owners. And so it can be amended just like any other contract can, just like if you refinance a loan or amend, you know, a distributorship agreement and have a new, new agreement with someone. The same is true for your partnership agreements. Or if you're growing and you take on investors, for example, um, that will usually lead to a, a full revision of really all of your governing documents because you may want to set up different classes of ownership with different rights and obligations at that time that there wasn't a need for when you were first getting things up and running. I mean, such great advice. And this just really ties in to what we share with our clients about the value of hiring specialists in their field and trusted partners, because even if most of our clients are first time business owners, but even if you're not, I mean, just some of these things that you're talking about are so important to prepare for and plan for. So Sam, we greatly appreciate you joining us today. This was such uh, insightful and useful information. If any of our listeners want to, or thinking about a partnership and want to seek your counsel, how would they reach you? Email is Always the best way to get me. It's uh, sam at jfbusinesslaw.com. Great. Thank you so much. Um, We really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to join us today. Um, Thank you to our listeners for um, joining us as well. Uh, My name again is Sarah Wasco. That's W-A-S-K-O-W. I am joined by my colleague Roxanne Rapsky, R-A-P-S-K-E. Please find us on LinkedIn. We're very active there. You can listen to other Unpredicted Entrepreneur episodes anywhere you get your podcast or on our YouTube channel, please follow us there at FranNet of Dallas, Fort Worth, and Oklahoma. We hope you all have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye.